Hello everyone and thank you for tuning in to the Activist Lawyer podcast. We are going to kick off this season with um, our first guests here from the Pills Project in um, Belfast. And we actually had Pills Project on before. We had Sarah and Emma. This time we're joined by Maria McCluskey and Hilary Perry, who will talk about the organisation in in more detail. Um, You might recall that the Pills Project is Northern Ireland's dedicated hub for public interest litigation. And they provide practical support. Um, They do a whole range of activities. And there are so many resources as well available on their website. But they will provide public interest litigation support. And they'll talk about... um, the importance of public interest and um, strategic litigation as well as all of their other services. So just by way of introduction, Maria McCluskey is the director of the Pills Project. She's been in on the studio before and um, she worked previously with the Children's Law Centre um, as an immigration solicitor advising uh, on and representing unaccompanied asylum seeking children and child victims of trafficking. She is also the chair, still is the chair, of the Law Society of Northern Ireland's Human Rights and Equality Working Group. So Maria comes with experience, considerable experience in policy and advocacy work across a range of human rights issues. And she was also the chair of the Law Society's Immigration Practitioners Group previously and um, also worked uh, prior to that as a consultant, legal consultant to Bernardo's Independent Guardian Service. She's a Master's in Human Rights Law at Queen's University from Queen's University, Belfast. Joining her will be Hilary Perry. Now, Hilary is the membership coordinator of the Pills Project. She's the key contact for members seeking support to bring litigation in the public interest. So she'll actually take you through that and talk about membership and what's involved. So Hilary has spent her whole legal career working in public law with a particular focus on administrative law. She was a law clerk at the Federal Court of Canada and litigated for the Canadian Department of Justice, also working in human rights law at the Tibetan Centre for Human Rights and Democracy and the United Nations Committee on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women. So Hilary holds a Bachelor in Arts in Political Science and Women's and Gender Studies from St. Francis Xavier University, hope I got that right, and is a member of the Law Society of Ontario. So, <clears throat> so delighted to be starting this series with Maria and Hilary. Again, we thank you all for listening. If you like our podcast and you enjoy listening, and please share, please like, please comment and review as much as possible. We have a whole series of exciting guests coming up that will share, you know, their insights and advice and support for people. And we really thank you. A lot of students have been contacting us as well, um, giving us some feedback and um, giving us some questions that they'd like us to ask some of our guests as well, which is fantastic. We hope to schedule our podcast episodes every two weeks and we might have some kind of mini episodes in between. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello everybody and thank you for joining me on today's episode of Activist Lawyer. My name is Sarah Henry and I'm your host today and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio, which is great, um, by Maria McCluskey and her colleague Hilary Perry, both from The Pills Project. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you, delighted to be here. Brilliant, I know you happen to be in Uri, um, for some other for another meeting, so it's fantastic to grab you in studio on this hot sunny day, so I'm not going to keep you here too long, <laughs> so I know you're probably dying to get back out. Um, but Maria, you've been here before, so I it's have. great to have you back. It's great to be back. 
a returning guest, albeit in another capacity. That's right. Yes. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Maria was back um, a few episodes ago, quite a few episodes ago, um, representing the Children's Law Centre. And we were given great insight into the work there. You're continuing to do great work now with the PILS project, just Public Interest Litigation Support Network. Project project (laughs) sorry (laughs) and we also had Emma and Sarah Corrigan previously on to discuss um, the work of the organization a long long time ago so we're going to catch up with you two new members of uh, the team there and see what exciting things um, you're getting up to and Hilary you joined the organization almost a year ago as membership coordinator having worked in public law in Canada we were just discussing yes I did yeah so we'll start with you first and maybe ask you just um, to tell us a little bit more about yourself maybe the difference between I don't well that's a kind of a broad question what's the difference between the law in Canada but maybe just your work experience and how you've become the membership coordinator with Pills Project. Yeah absolutely um, so I grew up and was educated in Canada and law school at home is a little bit different in the sense that it's a graduate program so I did an undergrad in political science and women's and gender studies mm-hmm. and then I went straight on to law school Um, And I studied in my home province of New Brunswick, and I really fell in love with administrative law, which is, I think, a very (laughs) boring thing to say. Um, But that led me to apply to clerk at the Federal Court of Canada. And so that's um, a court that primarily focuses on administrative law, sees a lot of refugee and asylum cases, um, but also all different matters. Mm-hmm. And so my role there really was to work one-on-one and assist the judge uh, that I was working with. And so it was a great insight, I think, into how deeply government decisions impact an individual's life. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really, really appreciate about that area of the law is that these little things like social benefits and someone's status, they're actually huge things. Sure. And these decisions are made every day. And so I went on to have an administrative law practice with the federal government in Canada. And I focused on social benefit litigation, which was great. And that was kind of the first place where I was able to start working on strategic litigation. Right. So. I was in a unit that was dealing with all the same kinds of matters over and over, and we saw these trends. Mm -hmm. And so it was my job to kind of launch test cases to try to clarify the law on particular issues that kept coming up again and again. And then um, I got married. (laughs) Yeah, which is great. (laughs) And and my husband at the time, well, sorry, we're still married, to be clear. at the time. My husband. (laughs) Maybe we can edit that. So my husband had started a PhD at Queens in 2019. And so we had agreed that for his third year of his PhD, we would come over and live in Belfast. And so I arrived, not really sure what I wanted to do, not really sure if the practice of law Mm -hmm. was still for me. Um, And so I worked in a restaurant for a while and then started managing that restaurant, a peculiar tea would recommend it's a Lovely. it's an immersive dining experience the peculiar tea a peculiar a tea. peculiar tea oh. yeah a Sounds very fun. talented young chef very nice um and then we decided that we really wanted to stay in belfast and that we loved our life Aww. here and when we made that decision to stay i thought you know i'm really enjoying the work i'm doing but i really miss being involved in the law yeah. i miss and using the skill set that I developed and invested a lot of time in. And 
fate would have it that the Pills Project was hiring. And I looked at the website and when I read the description, I couldn't believe it because it's the kind of work course I've yeah. always wanted yeah. to do. Um, and I'd had a little bit of a taste of strategic litigation, but maybe not in the subject matter or on the side that I was most interested in. Um, and so it's just an incredible opportunity, incredible organization. It's really nice to be using my skill set in the way that I think I'd always dreamed of when I went to law school, um, but had been told that's not really yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel really, really grateful. That is fantastic. And of course your skills are, are, are well, it seems to be very much transferable. And just, um, maybe we should have started with this, but just can you explain, you know, just to listeners what the Pills Project is and, you know, I suppose your role as a membership coordinator, what does that entail? Yeah, absolutely. So the Pills Project is a membership-based organization that provides support to advance human rights and equality through public interest litigation. Um, And so we're membership-based, meaning that we don't assist individuals directly, but we assist members which are either made up of NGO groups Mm -hmm. or solicitor firms. So we have both kinds of members and they can apply to the Pills Project when they have a case that they think might impact a public interest issue, or sorry, a case that might have a public interest element. Uh, They can make an application to ourselves for either financial or legal support. Brilliant. And you're the only organization in Northern Ireland. Uh, yeah, and you're Northern Ireland based, so you're dealing with um, this jurisdiction. Fantastic. I'd say you're, you're very, very busy. And Maria, you're back with us again as director of the Pills Project. Now, how have you settled in? Well, um, I think as Hillary has given you a bit of a, a taste of w- the work that we're doing, I think I've settled in really well in yeah. the sense that um, I'm really enjoying this role, really sort of thriving in an organization and a team that are very much about advancing Mm -hmm. human rights issues and equality issues in this jurisdiction. And it's just great to sort of come into an organization where everybody's of a similar mindset, um, where we all really work very hard every day to do the best that we can in our respective roles to advance those issues. Um, It has been a bit of a step back because I don't have individual cases um, that I manage anymore, albeit that I can still be instructed. um, We can talk a bit bit Mm -hmm. more about that in terms of the support we provide. But ultimately, I'm directing the organisation. So um, managing the team, obviously, and then sort of looking at our sort of individual Mm -hmm. and organisational work plans and setting sort of strategic uh, priorities for the organisation as we go ahead. And also part and parcel of that is looking about the long-term sustainability of the project. So um, just to give a bit of the history of the Pills Project, it was established as a pilot project in 2009. Next year, we're coming up on our 15-year anniversary and going from strength to strength Mm -hmm. and growing in size, which I think shows the the need for this type of organisation. And as you say, we're unique in this jurisdiction. Um, But the funding uh, that we had for a long time, you know, it's sort of changing and we're having to diversify and and look for other funding opportunities so that's part and parcel of my role as well Mm -hmm. and that's challenging Um, I suppose every organisation faces the same challenges at the moment Um, and I suppose it'll be great to have you further on just discuss membership as well and how important you know that can be to to the organisation and to individuals or organisations applying Um, but Maria just your background 
background as well, you, uh, you've stepped back, I suppose, from cases, you know, your caseload that you would have been managing and it's very, very different. I'd say your day-to-day routine. Um, but what was, just for listeners, you're, you're, previously you worked with the Children's Law Centre, as I mentioned, and before that you had some immigration experience. How did that lead you onto this role and what was your kind of transferable skills, I guess, that helps you? Yeah, um, I think probably, I suppose, to start at the start of my mm. career, I went into private practice and was working as a civil litigator. And that was sort of really where, um, I mean, I was in a wonderful firm. Napier Solicitor started to ve- develop my skills in relation to advocacy. I started to run some of those cases that I was um, managing myself. Um, but I always had a hankering towards human rights law. Yeah. And uh, again, as Hillary said, it's one of those areas where a lot of people tell you, oh, that's great, but you're never actually going to get to do that. And there is a limited capacity in sort of smaller private practices, but uh, nev- never to be deterred. I went on and did a master's part time when I was working at Napier's. And my subject was unaccompanied asylum-seeking children. Mm -hmm. And shortly after I finished my master's, a role came up within the Children's Law Centre to represent unaccompanied asylum-seeking children in their asylum and trafficking claims. And I think the last time Mm -hmm. that I was here with you, I was talking about how heavy that burden is in the Mm -hmm. sense of the massive significance of the outcomes of those cases for the individual young people. But also, I suppose, the vicarious trauma that you can um, be impacted by as a result of dealing with those cases and the increasing burden of this hostile environment Mm -hmm. on um, solicitors and barristers obviously as well as the individuals themselves and the support organisations but what I suppose I really experienced was the I suppose the constant fight and you would have a case and you would maybe have a win in that case maybe on a particular issue on a particular way in which things were being done in the home office but lo and behold the next case the same fight would come at you and it would come at you full force when you have a machine like the home office so it became um, a little bit um, you know it was overwhelming it was challenging um, and also it felt like your efforts were almost wasted yeah. even though they had obviously huge significance for an individual and when the role with the pills project came up it sort of really made sense to me because yeah. you know I'd heard this thing about strategic litigation and for a long time I was like I don't even really know what strategic <laughs> litigation <laughs> is but it made so much sense yeah. to me in this in the way in which we do things and the public interest aspect of our organisation is that it doesn't impact just one individual, it will try and change the law and the outcomes for a group of individuals and usually disadvantaged and minority groups. Mm -hmm. So it just sort of, again, just made so much sense to me at that stage Mm -hmm. in my career. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, um, and I I do think obviously that is what we're doing in the PILS project, it's working on those cases that are very important to the individual who takes the case, but then it has that wider impact and impact that can uh, continue to um, filter out uh, through the years and for in different individuals or organisations in sure. the same position as that first applicant. Mm-hmm. So taking a quick break here to say that I hope you're enjoying this episode of Activist Lawyer. Again, we'd be grateful if you could like, share and review the podcast and please check out our website at www.activistlawyer.com where you will find some Activist Lawyer branded merchandise and some blog articles. Please tune in on Apple, Spotify or the platform of your choice for more great episodes coming soon. So hugely impactful there. And just the organisation is going and um, I've seen a, a 
bit of success recently and maybe you'll take us through a few cases that you're able to discuss but you had um, there's one example here that I've, I've, I've been following as well just in terms of how strategic litigation can support a matter and you partner with other organisations as well in this particular example you'd partnered with Friends of the Earth and you'd been granted most re- wasn't it only a couple of months ago um, permission from the High Court to bring a legal challenge against the Department for Int- Infrastructure in relation to this long running and dangerous um, air quality failing so how did this matter come about and maybe you could guide listeners through you know the kind of aspects of that and any other cases that you may want to discuss (laughs) sure no problem uh yeah so the friends of the earth case that you mentioned is one of our big cases that we are working on this year and it falls in line with one of our strategic priorities which is about uh climate justice and, and doing what we can Uh, as a support organisation to bring those cases forward. Mm -hmm. But the diesel emissions cases, we call it, but obviously it's it's an air quality case, it's a public health case. It originated a few years ago when Friends of the Earth became aware um, or were made aware of this failing by the Department uh, for Infrastructure in that they had not complied with their statutory obligations to test diesel emissions in private cars which came in in 2006, which they introduced for a period of four months Mm -hmm. and which they then, um, they took away the test or stopped carrying out the test because of uh, the harmful emissions from the cars on uh, staff of the testing centres. And so um, massive failings that have been continuing for, you know, 15 years at this point, 15 plus years, and really the impact of that uh, failing on everybody here living in Northern Ireland um, and the air quality issues that have come from that. Um, So Friends of the Earth came to us, asked us if we would have anybody on our pro bono register who would be able to provide an opinion Mm -hmm. in relation to the correct legal challenge and we were able to match them up with lawyers on our pro bono register who then provided opinion and then what we do in PILS is we continue to work with the organisation requesting support and the barrister or legal um, professional who's providing the opinion Mm -hmm. to make sure then that the case goes in the direction that we hope will have the biggest public or uh, biggest impact uh, from a public interest perspective. Now, we're we're not like hands on. We don't dictate how things go, but also but obviously we want to try and sort of um, support it in the best way possible sure. um, to achieve the best outcome. So um, we were very, we we're very lucky to have some really experienced members on our pro bono register, um, and they had provided their opinion in relation to the legal challenge. So uh, papers were lodged with um, the High Court earlier this year, and leave was granted on the papers within a matter of two days, which shows wow. really, I think, yeah. um, just how strong uh, this challenge is and um, the importance and significance of it, I believe. Uh, so it's now listed for hearing on the 19th of June. Um, at the moment, uh, there is uh, an application for uh, third party intervention because a number of groups are interested in this issue because it will impact the people that they represent. Okay. So children, older people, oh, yeah. um, people who with weakened immune systems. So there are a number of parties who are sort of interested and, and one, of, one of them have, uh, has applied uh, to intervene in the case. Yeah. The, it is now listed review for review 
um, and actually tomorrow morning. So by the time this podcast comes <laughs> out, we will all know what, what, yeah. what's going to ha- what's going to happen with all of this. Um, but ultimately, it's of huge significance and importance, and, and we're delighted to be um, supporting Friends of the Earth. Yeah, so obviously our timings may not be right or match up here, but certainly people will be able to follow this through your website, pillsnie.org. I'm sorry, we'll we'll do a listing to this as well. Um, And also any kind of extra notes that we have, just because this is really important. And, you know, really important for you as an organisation, but as you said, it has such an impact on so many people um, within society. Um, and also then, um, Maria, we mentioned as well the hostile environment there within your, um, you know, your core, your core plan, and the illegal migration bill, which you're very familiar with. Yes. And I think you spoke on it. I spoke about it the last time you were here, along with, you know, very many of our, our other guests. What has Pills been doing in, in terms of kind of progressing your aims around it, or? Yeah, I'll maybe speak to one of the cases that we've mm-hmm. supported recently in that area and then I'll let Hillary speak about the sort of um, s- work that we're doing in terms of sort of policy sure. and advocacy, albeit that we're not really a policy <laughs> and advocacy organisation. <laughs> um, but we've recently supported a law firm, uh, Phoenix Law, to bring mm-hmm. a challenge to the family reunification rules. Um, and it involves an Afghan national and the safety of his family who are in a third country. Um, so one of the ways that we can provide support is through uh, financial support. Um, what we don't normally do is provide support for professional fees because we're a pro bono organisation mm-hmm. and we usually require that um, solicitors and barristers acting on behalf of applicants will act in a pro bono capacity. However, we do have a process by which organisations can apply for exceptional funding. Okay. And in this case, where the individuals are in a third country where their safety is an issue and where they're unable because of that to apply for legal aid yeah. pills were able to assess that this was an exceptional case sure. and we were able to provide funding to bring right. that challenge through the um, the immigration and asylum chamber so it has gone to the first tier tribunal and unfortunately um, it failed at the first hurdle but we are now uh, continuing in the sense with our support in the sense that the pro bono barrister that we got to assist on that case is now uh, drafting an application permission permission to appeal to the upper Brilliant. tribunal. So that's part of our uh, mm-hmm. the way in which we are working towards our second strategic priority, which is challenging the hostile environment. Mm-hmm. And we believe that these cases are very important because these are people that are living in our community. Yeah. They are uh, part of our society, and they are in a, a marginalised. Um, and vulnerable group so yeah. we really those are the cases that we want to try and support because they will have impact for others absolutely but I will maybe let Hillary talk a bit more about the work that we've been doing on the illegal migration bill great thanks Hillary yeah that'd be brilliant um, so one of the initiatives that PILS has undertaken with one of our partners in the human rights partnership uh, the human rights consortium we produced a joint briefing with them and this was when the bill was still in the House of Lords. So some of the numbers are a little bit outdated, but the information, sure. unfortunately, is still the same because we've seen very little progress on um, amendments on this bill. But we put out a briefing, firstly explaining the implications of this bill, specifically from a human rights perspective in Northern Ireland. Um, and as listeners may know, this bill has very severe implications, essentially replacing the asylum system with mandatory detention and removal. Um, It has severe implications 
under Article 2 of the Windsor Framework um, on the Good Friday Agreement and really restricts individuals' access to make human rights claims Mm -hmm. and and prohibits access to courts in a number of concerning instances. Um, And so we put out this briefing essentially to make our membership and other organizations in Northern Ireland aware that PILS has its finger on the pulse of this issue because as we're moving forward, we want to be mindful um, to be prepared to challenge this from the moment that it comes into force. So that's really been our purpose in being engaged in the Illegal Migration Bill is Mm -hmm. looking into um, different avenues of challenge and what avenues would be the most strategic and most effective and make sure that we're putting um, the proper individual applicants before the courts Mm -hmm. and that we're putting the right organizations in touch with those applicants. So important, yeah. Yeah, so we're trying to really be proactive and make sure that we're ready from the moment this becomes law. Yeah, and even from a strategic point of view, partnering with other organisations around that is completely essential. We did have Kevin on from Human Rights Consortium who spoke so eloquently about the bill itself um, and the fantastic work that they're doing. So that's brilliant to see this collaboration. Yeah, and sorry, I just think it's it's so important to remember that really we aren't predominantly, we're generalists. Pills yeah. are generalists. Our, our specific goal is strategic litigation, but we require input from the people sure. who have the expertise, boots on the ground, and are really working with these individuals every day. And I think that that's one of the things that makes Pills so special is that it is very much a from the bottom up mm-hmm. approach of litigation, which is important. We don't want to be coming in and saying you know, this is the way to do it, but we want to be lending expertise and working with the people who already know these individuals Mm -hmm. and know the issues. Brilliant. And just staying with yourself then, Hilary, in terms of um, the organisation itself, it's it's growing and, you know, in in, in terms of its aims and um, its achievements as well as its membership. But how, if someone's listening now and they're interested in becoming a member, how might they go about that? Absolutely. So we have tried to make this as simple as possible (laughs) on our website. So there is a page that is titled Work With Us. Okay. And the middle button on that page says Become a Member. And it's quite a short application form. Mm -hmm. You'll need to include um, your organization's details, some contact details, why you are interested in PILS membership. And then there are three additional requirements. So the first is that you're a non-governmental and non-party political organization, that you have experience working to advance human rights and equality in in Northern Ireland, and that you have an interest and support generally for public interest litigation. Brilliant. And is that then separate from the register? It is. is. Okay. All right. Which is something we'll get to now. That's the pro bono piece, um, which is separate, but very much linked into your your general objectives and your strategic litigation. How does one get involved in in that side of things then? And how are you or are you promoting, you know, this type of work within law firms, I guess, or other organisations? Yeah, so I'll um, maybe just outline a bit about our pro bono register um, because I think that it is a bit of a confu- uh, an area of confusion for some people because when they think about becoming a member, maybe they're thinking about the pro bono, pro bono register. But the membership base allows members to apply to us for support. Mm-hmm. The pro bono register is sort of the list of legal professionals and academics who are willing to help us in that work by providing their services legal free of charge. So one of the applications for support might be 
a request for a legal opinion mm-hmm. on an issue which they think may be a strategic uh, challenge in the public interest, but they're not sure and they've just like professional opinion to guide them as to whether there's a challenge or what's the best remedy or, or route of challenge. And so we can then match up those requests with a member from our pro bono register or members because there may be times that there, there could be collaboration on it. So if an individual is interested in be, at being added to the pro bono register, they can request that. Let us know. You know, we, we asked a few questions on that, which is, you know, when they qualified, what their area of expertise is, and we keep their details on our system. And should we get a request for support in that particular area, we can then approach them to Fantastic. ask them to help. Brilliant. And of course, pro bono work is I mean, really important in itself. Do you think that it's something that firms, I, I'm thinking more in particular kind of commercial, larger firms are getting more involved in? You often see um, recruitment drives for people working within the pro bono area of a particular firm. How important is it to kind of corporations and larger law organisations that maybe kind of stayed away from the public interest side of things to get more involved or to even, I know expertise is one word we might use, but to even provide other skills to support a piece of work yeah I think it's really important and it's increasingly important um you know the demand for our services is growing all the time sure. um we've supported with nine uh, pro bono applications in the space of a few months um and, and what we have seen is that some of the requests are for detailed legal opinions on a specific issue okay. some of the requests are for research mm-hmm. on a particular matter which then lends itself very well to the sort of larger in-house law firms who have pro bono departments because it's not necessarily about providing the legal opinion, but it's about providing the research which then might be used to to form the basis of instructions to Mm -hmm. counsel for Mm -hmm. a pro bono opinion. Um, And and we're finding that there are so many ways in which our members could be supported that lends, you know, that lend themselves to that sort of pro bono department sort of structure um, and we're working with a number of of those uh, firms at the moment for example uh, we're working with a large law firm to um, develop a project in relation to country of origin reports so as you and I were talking yeah. about just before we started recording there's really a crisis of representation in immigration, immigration and particularly mm-hmm. asylum matters sure. um, in Northern Ireland there's so much need for support and particularly as we we talked about with the illegal migration bill, yeah. you know, if it comes in as is, it is respect retrospective to the 7th of March. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen to all those people who have arrived since that time? They are going to require legal advice oh that goodness. requires yeah. lawyers to provide the advice. Um, and so we're trying to help ease that burden by saying if you're a solicitor working in this area and you want a bit of help with the research, we can then go Brilliant. to um, our uh firm that we're working with which is Clifford Chance who are based in London and ask them to um, source one of uh, the reports through their Excellent. register of pro bono lawyers. That's so helpful it and saves so much time. Absolutely, honestly. yeah. I know. That's excellent. It's really practical, um, you know, support there and great initiatives as well. I mean, that's quite a novel. I haven't really, I didn't understand that would be part of the work. So that's fantastic. Um, so really an increase in demand in your services. What lies ahead, maybe short term or long term? What kind of plans are coming up for Pills NI? Okay, so one of the big things that we have within the next month is that we're hosting a residential uh, over three days at the end of June. Um, And it is 
a residential on behalf of one of our new funders it's called the Bering Foundation mm-hmm. um, they have a strengthening civil society program um, which is made up of legal hubs from across the UK and myself and my colleague Emma who was on your podcast yes, Emma before, Cassidy yes Emma Cassidy we attended a residential hosted by Bering in Coventry last June um, and at that time we were talking about communities of practice and what came out of the the conference itself was we're not so sure about the communities of practice and how that would work across the UK, but what we really loved was getting together with other legal hub organisations and having discussions about how we can tackle these big issues together and do it effectively. So PILS is hosting the residential in Belfast um, for those organisations from across the UK, not daunting at all, (laughs) 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 with uh, two main themes which are effective litigation strategies and better collaboration. So that's kind of going to probably take up most of our thoughts for the the next next four weeks at least. That's not far away (laughs) and can people find out more about that I suppose on the website and you'll share information closer to the time which will be fantastic um, yeah and I suppose it's probably not going to be open to members to come to it but we can we're going to be producing a report after it and you know we can communicate some of that information on our website and then the longer term as I say we sort of set three strategic priorities of um, climate justice tackling the hostile environment and protecting the human rights infrastructure which are really our priority areas for the for the foreseeable or sorry for the next sort of six months Beyond that, um, we'll see what the lay sure. of the land is. We're obviously very worried about the roll, yeah. r- rights rollback that we're Absolutely. in the middle of. It's just a real crisis and um, illegal aid feeding into that as well, the problems that we have there in terms of accessing justice. And just on that, activism and the law, I guess from your perspective as, as individuals you can speak or as an organisation, how important is in these in uncertain um, and very worrying times is it that we use or can we use the law to affect change? You've obviously given examples already that it, it, it is very useful, <laughs> particularly to your organisation. But just what's your thoughts on that? Because we're still dealing with activism and activist lawyers being used in a very derogatory way. But how do we quash that and really focus on how important it is to affect that change that we need that will impact all of us? Yeah, and just to that point, I think that, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily have seen myself as an activist, because we mm-hmm. do have such a specific picture of what that looks know, like. But yeah. <laughs> as I was kind of thinking about this podcast, I really think that activism is just pushing back against these huge systems. And I think putting justice back in the hands of the people to some extent, ensuring access to the courts, ensuring that people have the expertise and funds that they need to bring challenges. And I think sure. that PILS is really uniquely situated to do that because it addresses both of those primary concerns in access to justice. And I guess another initiative that that we're doing is we are in the process of producing something that we're calling the Public Interest Litigation Toolkit. Mm -hmm. And so it has five different guides. The first is identifying when something is a public interest issue. The second is um, alternatives to litigation or strategies that might complement litigation. Because I think it's important when you're thinking about activism that Sometimes an application for judicial review is the right approach and sometimes it's not. And it's important that we consider all of the avenues that are at our disposal to be doing that pushing back. Um, And then the other guides will speak about judicial review, about third party interventions, because that can be an effective way to shed light on an issue without taking on that heavy costs, Mm -hmm. risk and burden. 
And then um, the last is on costs themselves and explaining how those work, the different mechanisms that exist in public interest litigation like protective costs orders. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, just thinking about, as you say, the way in which the term is used is in a derogatory sense. And I think, you know, we wear it as a badge of honour because it really is about challenging those machines and those systems that are oppressing people. And that's effectively the root of it. And what I would like to say to anybody who's thinking about this, who has maybe been told, oh, yeah, that's great. But, you know, you you need to have, you know, focused career ambitions. Mm -hmm. There are ways in which you can become involved. Um, Pills tries to support volunteering initiatives when we can. We've had two student placements um, from Ulster University recently with us for 12 weeks who are helping us out massively in our systems and some of our projects. Um, and one of the things that we're going to be looking at in terms of climate justice is about trying encouraging, trying to encourage lawyers across the broad spectrum of um, practice areas to become involved because it, it's not just about planning law, it's not just about environmental law, it's know. about l- using yeah. your skills and expertise that you have spent years um, developing to support those organisations who are trying to advance these issues. So it could be... Um, drafting a letter it could be helping someone formulate or draft a freedom of information request it could be about reviewing large large bundles of documents or documents which may seem um you know detailed to someone else which but which would not be to you because in your daily practice you're looking at these types of documents all the time and you can quickly help someone sift through something and get to the root of what their question or query is so please don't let your area of practice um narrow you into a view that you can't become involved in public interest litigation. This requires a massive team effort. It's about individuals, it's about local small um, community organisations, it's about lawyers working either, you know, in the evening helping in their local community organisation or in their practice saying to their principal, I would like to become involved in this. Can we join the PILS? Um, Can we become a member of PILS or can we join the pro bono register? Um, And really, we are always looking for new ways to innovate as to how to help um, support organisations and legal firms in these cases Mm -hmm. because it's all about building this together. That's what we are about, building strategic... Yeah, I mean, that's such valuable, valuable advice. And I know from some of the listeners, the questions that we get in, it's that specific point. How do we become involved, despite the fact that we're maybe working in, you know, a more corporate environment? But as you said, there's ways and means. And of course, your organisation will be able to hopefully, you know, provide opportunities at some point or even information and point people in the right direction. The website is fantastic as well. But uh, such fantastic advice. I'm really happy to have you here again, just to give us some more insight into the work that you're doing. And it's fantastic to see the progress that's been made as well so we'd actively um act, will actively follow all of the the progress of these cases and um you know the work through website and social media will be back again hopefully at some stage <laughs> to talk to. about it but hillary and maria thank you again for joining me today thanks so much thank Sarah. you thanks everyone for joining me today if you like the show please remember to share and leave a review if you have a moment and you can also check out our website www activistlawyer.com where you will see some blog articles written by our guests and contributors as well as some fabulous activist lawyer merchandise this podcast was recorded in granite podcast studio interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how granite podcast studio can help 
Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.